Thanks for tuning in to episode two of Husky Talk. I'm your host, Ethan Schultz. And I'm his partner, Kane McDaniel. Today, we're here with Iditarod veteran who has finished the great race 17 times and has finished in the top five, five times. Welcome to our show, Allie Zirkel. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Our first segment of the show is titled, Who Inspires You? During this segment, we would like for you to tell us a bit about who inspired you to get involved in the Iditarod. Wow. Well, um, it's probably mostly been my dogs who inspired me to get into the Iditarod. Um, as you guys probably know, since you've been researching sled dogs and Iditarod and sports, that the athletes are the ones that tend to be uh, the enthusiastic uh, ones. And so I was lucky enough, you know, 17 years ago or so to have some pretty fantastic, excited, upbeat sled dogs who um, got me convinced that running the Iditarod was something that um, I could be successful at and competitive at. So first and foremost, I'd probably say my dogs are my inspiration. Okay. Thank you, yeah. Um, Now we're going to move on to our question and answer segment. Okay. What made you want to get into dog sled racing? Besides your dogs, yeah. Is that the whole question? Yeah. Okay. Um, Well, first of all, I I didn't want to get into racing right away. Um, I really got into just mushing, first of all. I knew nothing about racing, um, and I really just wanted to travel across Alaska with my dogs because it was more peaceful than traveling with a snowmobile. (laughs) Um, So what I did was I was traveling from village to village and I was, um, I was invited to a race that was a Christmas race in a village that I had gone to celebrate Christmas with some friends of mine. And, uh, since I had mushed there, my dog team was right outside their cabin and they said, Hey Allie, you know, we have a race. It would be pretty fun if, if you were in it. And I thought, my goodness, I've never done anything like this before. And, uh, they were very supportive and, so I signed up for the race, and actually, uh, my friends in the village paid for my entrance fee, and um, I did the race, and I came in second to last. So <laughs> that was my first race, and then I guess, kind of, uh, I, I'm a competitive person, so it was quite a few years after that that um, I did route kind of came into focus, and uh, I started that one. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. What brought you to Alaska? So I was um, going to college in uh, Pennsylvania, actually, and um, I had always been interested in biology and animals, and throughout my entire childhood, I always had dogs, and so I thought it would be pretty neat to study biology. So I did two years of really hardcore biology studies at University of Pennsylvania. And um, after that second year, I walked into a laboratory, you know, where they do scientific experiments, and there was a sign on the door. Yeah. And the sign said, why are you studying biology in, in downtown Philadelphia when you could be in Alaska? And so I thought that was really an interesting question, and I ended up calling the phone number at the bottom of that sign. And um, that gave me the opportunity 
that summer to come up to Alaska and uh, I fell in love with it, the place and the people and the dogs. And um, that was 20, oh my goodness, 27 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you like to do on your free time when you're not dog sled or training? Hmm. What do I like to do in my free time? Well, every morning, I guess, before I really start getting after it. Uh, I like to make a good cup of coffee. That's probably one of my most favorite things to do every single day. So I grind my beans every morning. I kind of choose what kind of beans I want. And then I grind beans and do a couple dip shots of coffee and I put milk on top of it and I sit here and I enjoy my cup of coffee and I think about what I'm going to do for the day. So I don't know if that's my day off, but that's how I start my day before I start working. <laughs> Um, how do you and your husband work together when it comes to training? Well, my husband, Alan Moore, and I have worked together rather successfully for almost the last 20 years. Um, and I think that anytime that you work together with someone like you two working together on this interview, I think that you have different every single person kind of has a little bit of a different views on life and what's important and not important, but probably, um, what you have to do then is always look at what the other person has to offer. Like, you know, you guys are both asking different questions and they're both good questions. So my husband and I, we, we always talk about what needs to happen at the kennel and what needs to happen with the dogs and training. And he has ideas that are really good. And I have ideas that are really good. So we we try to figure out which ones we should do first and second and third and fourth. And um, I'd say that's how we work successfully. We always listen to what the other person has to say. How do you and your husband um, rotate through the dogs? Well, what we do um, is that every single dog here is is ours i mean they they both they're born here they're raised here Mm -hmm. um we don't we don't generally buy dogs or trade for dogs or anything there are puppies and so we raise them um we don't generally sell dogs either so they're uh, they're not um you know they're not marketable they're just uh, our dogs alan's and mine so once you understand that they're you know, they're here at the kennel in order to race and, you know, be dogs for us, either Alan or myself, then what you have to do is you look at our race season. And since dog mushing has a season of events, not just the Iditarod, there are shorter races. There's 100-mile races in December, and there's two- and 300-mile races in January, um, there's the Yukon Quest, which is in February, and of course I did it out in March. So what we do is we look through the entire season, and we say, "All right, Alan, are you gonna are you gonna race the Copper Basin this year?" And he might say, "Well, yeah, I've I've raced it 15 years, and I've won it six, so I think I'll race it this year." And then he'll look at me and say, "Well, Allie, are you are you gonna race it?" I'll say, "Well, yeah, I think I'd like to." So then we decide which person is going to try to win that race. And since he's been incredibly successful in Copper Basin, we we usually pick his team to win. So what we do is we go around the dog yard. It's kind of like 
I mean, you guys have probably played, you know, basketball or soccer where you pick your teams yeah. and you try to, mm-hmm. yeah, well, you try to pick the player you know is going to help you win. So what we do is we stand in the middle of our yard and we go through and we say, hey, does is Kodiak going to help you win? And he's like, oh, yeah, Kodiak's one of our best dogs. He's solid. He's really full of muscle. He loves to lead. I'd like him on my team. And then I say, well, how about <clears throat> how, how about Outlaw? He's like, well, Outlaw, you know, he's actually just a teeny bit too skinny right now, and he gets hot, and it sounds like it's going to be a hot race. So I don't want Outlaw on my team. So we'll go through the entire um, kennel of dogs, and he'll choose his – 12 dogs that he wants to win. And then we'll look at me and I'll say, Allie, what do you want to get accomplished in this race? Like, do you want to try to come in second and, you know, be the second best team? Or do you want to take a junior varsity team? Do you want to take some young dogs who don't know anything and really have to kind of go a bit slower and take their time? And and I, I might do one or the other. Let's say I, t- I want to take a JV team. Well, then we go exactly like we did through the whole yard and we kind of pick out a less experienced dog team that is generally just going to have fun so that it the following year they can be on the winning team. So we do that for every single race. We do that for hundred mile races for uh, copper basin for the Yukon quest for the Iditarod. And uh, that's how we try to pick our teams. So kind of like drafting and then also getting like experience, right? Exactly. Like, yes, exactly. Because, you know, if you think about drafting or you think about, you know, the NFL, think about an NFL team and think about the fact that not only is, well, Tom Brady out there, but they've got a couple of backup quarterbacks out there. Or not only is, you know, Russell Wilson playing, but they've got backup quarterbacks. So you always have to look at the dog yard like you have a main quarterback, but you need a whole bunch of backup quarterbacks. And you need to actually have, I mean, not only the NFL, but you have to have college players. Mm -hmm. So those are like your two-year-old dogs. Mm -hmm. And then you have to have high school and elementary, you know, who are coming up through the ranks to replace Tom Brady in some years, you know. So those Mm -hmm. are our one-year-olds and our puppies. So that's how we look at the team. Oh, all right. What does a day in training look like to you? A day in training for me? Allie, or for the dogs, because we both athletically train. Uh, Both, I guess. Yeah, both. Okay. Well, um, I'll pick a a day in December um, when the dogs are pretty fit, and I am pretty fit, but we have to stay, you know, at a correct fitness. So I'll get up probably at about 6.30 or 7, and... um, I have a really small breakfast and coffee, and then we go outside and we walk through all the dogs and we feed them specific meals for each dog. And then we we let them digest that for a while. And then we come inside and we pick out the team that we're going to train that day, both Alan and myself. And in mid-December, it's probably going to be about a 55-mile run. So that's about a, let's say, a six-hour training run. Um, So... We'll go back out. We harness everybody up, put dog booties on, jackets if it's cold, leggings if they need it, that kind of thing. And um, we'll take off. Now, in a six-hour run, we don't just run them straight for six hours. We'll probably go about an hour, an hour and a half out, and then we give them a snack. We check all their booties. Then we'll do another hour, an hour and a half. We'll do the same thing, give them a snack and check booties. And it'll probably take us about six hours till we 
get back to the kennel. Um, and as soon as we get back to the kennel, we undress everyone, take their booties off, harnesses, and um, we'll go around, and that's when they have their second big meal of the day. So we go to their houses, put a big meal specific for each dog, and then we let the dogs off their their uh, harnesses, and they kind of run around, stretch out loose in the yard, and then go back to their house and eat their dinner. So then what I would do is I would uh, come back inside, warm up, and probably have some kind of a protein shake or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to eat a lot because then I'm going to go work out. So the thing with Iditarod is that as soon as the dogs are done running, the musher has to be ready to take care of everything. So I try to press myself as soon as I get off the sled to go into our workout room, which uh, Alan built. Mm -hmm. And it's a small room and it's got a treadmill and an elliptical and a bow flex and a pull-up bar. So I'll probably work out for about 45 minutes or an hour Mm -hmm. on the elliptical, the treadmill. And I try to do pull-ups um, throughout the season and arm work because we ski pole a lot when we when we're mushing dogs. Mm-hmm. So by then it's probably about uh, I don't know like eight eight o'clock at night, eight thirty something like that. So then I'll come inside and then we usually have a pretty big dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, both Alan and I cook, so we usually have moose or salmon or something pretty healthy. Then we do it again the next day. <laughs> Hey, thank you for sharing. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, how many dogs do you have at your kennel? Right now, let me look at my little spreadsheet. <clears throat> Looking out the door right now, there's about 51 dogs. Mm. We have 40 dogs in 40 dogs in training um, that are between the age of two years old, and Schmo Dog is our oldest dog in training for races and he's eight years old. So there's 40, 40 dogs of that age. And then we have three one-year-old dogs. They're actually 14 months old right now. Um, and then we have a group of mature older dogs and they're kind of dogs that live inside and outside and still train and might do a couple races, but they're like your, they're like your grandparents. Like you don't want to press them, you don't want to press them too hard, but they still got a lot of sass left in them, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's one, two, three, four. There's about five of them that are still pretty active, um, but then there's two of them that aren't very active. They're they're like dogs who are in a nursing home right now. They just live. They don't ever really go outside much except to do their business. And one of them is sixteen, and one of them is thirteen. That's Biscuit and Bullet. Do you have a favorite sled dog? Oh, my. Uh, No, I don't think I can say that. I mean, no, because they're all different. I mean, that's probably the cool part Mm -hmm. is that if they were all the same dog and, like, Mm -hmm. one of them overperformed, you know, then I might have a favorite, but... I mean, like, I can't even pick my favorite basketball player. I mean, <laughs> LeBron James, Steph Curry, I mean, Dwight Howard. I mean, I can't, I can't pick my favorite basketball player, so I certainly can't fit, pick my favorite sled dog. Yeah. You sure know your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is one of your favorite Iditarod memories? 
Huh. Probably one of my most humorous ones is, um, so some of the guys out there, they really want to know what the temperature is on the trail. Um, so they carry thermometers on the back of their sleds. Mm-hmm. But I've always thought that I could kind of, you know, when you walk outside and you feel it kind of cold, you can, you can estimate what the temperature is. Yeah. So one year I was out there and, um, when you're higher up in the hills, it's warmer. And when you come down into the valleys, it gets colder. And um, I was looking for the perfect place to camp. And I wanted to camp in the hills because it was warmer, but the dogs were doing really well, so so I kept going. So anyway, I ended up camping way down on this riverbed, and I could tell it was cold because when I went to make their dinner, the dog's dinner, um, I laid all their bowls out, and I put kibble and water on top of it. And by the time I carried my bowls up individually to each dog, there was ice over the top of all the water. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the guys who carries his thermometer all the time, he was passing me right then, and he looked over and he yelled, Allie, what are you doing camping at 57 below zero? (laughs) And I thought, wow, I kind of made the wrong choice. So (laughs) let's just say my nap wasn't the coziest one I've ever had. (laughs) What is your goal this year for the Iditarod? Well, I'll be honest with you. My goal pretty much in most races where I get the the best team is to win. Yeah. Um, It's always to win. But your team and... The circumstances of your race really has to be, you know, a hundred percent. So I, I mean, absolutely. My goal is to win. Um, when we get closer to the race, I could tell you a little bit more about how I feel my team, like how my chances are, you know, it's, it is just like, like basketball or, or football or anything where, you know, you get to the NBA finals and kind of, Kyrie Irving sprains his ankle or something like that could happen to our team. And, uh, so you always hope something like that doesn't happen because you, mm-hmm. you want your team to be a hundred percent and you to be a hundred percent. But the fact is that just like any other sport, stuff like that happens. So uh, my goal is to win. Um, and I think that someday my dogs and I certainly can, but, um, we'll see what happens on March 3rd this year. If your dog like was to get hurt, how does the what is the process of that? How does that work? Well, it's kind of if a dog gets hurt, it's the, it's the same thing as a person, um, honestly, because there's so many different kinds of injuries. Like you know, talking about regular sports, like playing basketball, you could get a finger in the eye, or mm-hmm. you could you know sprain your ankle, or it could be like a really minor thing where you just get a cut above your eye and you have to go out and stop the bleeding or something. Mm-hmm. So dogs are exactly like that. Like last year on the race, um, I had a dog, his name's Mismo, who actually broke a toenail um, on some ice. And, you know, it. I, I could I could put all these booties, like, like cushioning, like, uh-huh. you know, underneath his toe, and he could still run. But mm-hmm. there came a point where he was looking at me like, mm, hey, my, my toe hurts. So <laughs> yeah. I decided that I should probably send him back to Anchorage so he can go to the veterinarian and they can look at his toe. So, I mean, in worst case scenarios, you have to take your dog off the team and then turn it over to veterinarian and race crew. And then they fly it back to Anchorage. 
we have a really good uh, vet clinic, Dr. Karen Schmidt in Anchorage, who looks after all of our dogs. And we have a woman who, who she and her poodle, Midnight, actually take care of all of our dogs if they get flown off the trail. So, you know, you're kind of bummed about it. Like, I, I honestly want all of my dogs to finish the race with me. I think that's why we start training in September is to make everyone fit and ready to go. So my goal is to do like Jesse Royer did last year and finish with 16 dogs. Mm-hmm. But that that's usually pretty a pretty difficult thing to do just because of small issues like toenails or you know maybe Nomex gets a little bit too skinny and you don't you don't want to chance the fact that it, there could be a blizzard and he'd get really skinny. So you're you usually are more conservative about leaving your dogs with vets than than you have to be. Our final segment of the show is what we like to call Musher Mount Rushmore. I assume you know about Mount Rushmore. I do. Alright. If if you were asked to change the faces on Mount Rushmore to represent the Iditarod, who or what would be on it? You can pick mushers, dogs, volunteers, whoever you would like. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Wish I had a few minutes to think about that. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I guess since there's four faces on Mount Rushmore, I would want to choose, like, one musher who, you know, I'm just going to have to put Libby up there just because. And then I would choose, uh, I would choose one, one dog. And, um, you know, mostly recently, I, I will have to tell you that Dallas Seavey's dog, Reef, has been... Mm-hmm in my opinion, the most impressive dog in the last five years on Iditarod. So I'd put him with Libby. And then um, the race is an incredible organization, and it takes a lot of people who actually work for the Iditarod, the ITC. Mm-hmm. And one of the people who's been incredibly important is the race director or race marshal, Mark Nordman, for the last at least 15 years, probably 20 years now. So I'd put him up there. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, uh, man, I'm going to have to put up, I don't know how we're going to make a face, but um, the villages that, that the Iditarod travels through, oh. I mean, there's no way we That's could. That's a good one, yeah. There's, yeah, there's no way we could do it without the people saying, hey, we don't mind if you travel through our village. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would have to say those folks who live out in the country we travel through, and if we need a cup of coffee, they'll they'll be there, and their village is waiting for us. And so I would say the villages of Alaska. All right. Um, do you think your husband would like to be on one of the episodes of our show? Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. Do you have any questions for us or anything to add? Well, I'm just excited that you guys are. Uh, are doing this and then I would love to just check in with me uh, either by email or something right before the race and I can give you the rundown of of the team and how it looks this year all right thank you yeah Um, cool thank you so much for being on our show special thanks to Ali Zirkle for joining us on episode two of Husky Talk tune in next week for our featured guest Martin Boozer Special credit to Ahobo Jim for our theme song, The Iditarod Trail. I did, I did, I did, The Iditarod Trail.